Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. First versus fourth in Serie A, the Supercopa de España final and more. AFCON this weekend is jam-packed with action. And to help me unpack it all and find that easy money, I'm joined by my G.I. Joes, Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. Gigolasso weekend preview begins right now. Welcome to Kego Lasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Kego Lasso pod on Twitter. Make sure that you watch on youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso. We're nearly there to 8,000 subscribers. CBS Sports, your CBS Sports app, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and the like right then. Oh, yeah, America. Heath Pierce, what's up, man? I'm good, man. I'm like, look, I, I'm looking at your screen right now, and you have for anybody that's listening to this on audio, you've got the two hearts uh, next to your your uh, your uh, my little name. Yeah, yeah I, did, I I've never noticed that before. Is that a new is that a new new look? A new new thing? New thing you're going well, through? Well, you know, vibes? I'm wearing the villa. Villa's in behind me. It's the claret and blue, and you know, uh, there's big things happening that we're going to talk about in a second. But you know, I just wanted to represent uh, the greatest club in the history of the game. That's really okay. I thought, I, th- I thought it was just more of like a putting love out into the into the ethos, but I, I- get it. Heath Pierce, I always put out love out That's there it. into the universe. Come on now, Jimmy Conrad, what's up, my man? Well, four of the European leagues have been decided. I'm looking at France. I'm looking at Spain and Italy and Germany. And now with Manchester City taking on Chelsea, England could get decided this weekend as well. So I'm very excited to jump into that along with everything else we're going to talk about. What a weekend of games. What a weekend of games. And I didn't even mention Man City Chelsea in the intro. Absolutely unbelievable. But here we are with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. So happy to be here. Now make sure to follow both of them, of course, as well on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. But before Man City Chelsea, uh, Jimmy Conrad, we will begin in the Premier League, of course. But let's talk about the North. London Derby, Tottenham hosting Arsenal Sunday, 11.30 Eastern. By the way, a fantastic uh, transfer special with Fabrizio Romano is out as we, of course, uh, talk about both clubs, etc. But, you know, let's begin with you, Heath Pierce. Let's begin with the Arsenal fan for a second. Tottenham against Arsenal. It's a big game, of course. It's uh, fifth against sixth. West Ham keep doing their thing. So the pressure is on. Uh, by the way, we're playing. We're we're taping this before Arsenal play Liverpool in the Carabao Cup, as well. So, gotta mention that. But talk to me about this game, Heath Pierce. Yeah, I mean, I for some reason you continue to think that it's a compliment to come to the fan of the team first <laughs> uh, of the game that they're playing in in their derby. Obviously, this one's an away match for for Arsenal. We've been talking about this uh, kind of all year long, where this this transformation into the youth. We've obvi- obviously got a pretty new back line that people aren't talking much about, but it's been solid. The project continues to move forward. Now, my worry with that is every time they play Spurs and they're trying to have some sort of project over the last few years, can these these players, and especially these young players, throw all that out the window and know that the project can continue, but this game is going to be different? Can you roll up your sleeves? Can you scrap? Can you control your emotions in, in moments like that? Can you uh, sort of understand the, the magnitude and the significance of this game historically to be able to tap into that for, for a one-off game and know that even if you're not going to play pretty, you might not have the ball. You're playing away from home. And yes, you have a Spurs side that are licking their wounds after uh, a two-legged uh, knockout in the cup. But the Spurs are good, and Spurs are at home. And uh, Spurs also have a game in hand. You're competing for a top four with them and West Ham, as you mentioned. So there's a lot on the line there that I wonder, do they have enough experience in this team to be able to manage a match like this, knowing that you're fighting for top four, you're playing in your derby, you're, you're missing a couple players that are more on the experience side, like your Partey to AFCON. Uh, and so I just wonder, do they have all of the pieces 
necessary to be able to get a result out of this one. I don't know. I'm leaning towards a Spurs result. I would love to call it a draw. I think that's a little bit boring to say. So I'm saying Spurs are probably going to be the ones that take away all three points in this match. Wow, that's pretty bold of you to say, Heath. I'm pretty surprised that you're leaning that way. The last time these two teams played was at the Emirates, and that was in the middle of that 10-game run where Arsenal were unbeaten before they started getting slapped around a little bit, or at least a little more inconsistent. Now, I feel like they're in great form. I know they just lost in the FA Cup. I don't think that's the worst thing of all time, and I know they're going up against Liverpool, Tomiyasu. Might not be available. They're still missing a couple players that could maybe push them over the line to get a win in this one. I don't see a win for Arsenal per se, but I don't see them necessarily losing either. And I say that because when I look at Spurs' team, I still don't think Antonio Conte has figured out what his best formation is. We saw him roll out a 5-3-2, bit of a Christmas tree formation against Chelsea in the second leg uh, midweek. And yes, I understand that they needed to get that first goal and it didn't happen. And at that point, the game's a bit of a wash because they're chasing it, being down three over two legs. But when you have Matt Doherty playing on the left side of your team and Sergio Reguillon is not even in your team. I, I know there's other things that are probably going on that we're unaware of, whether he's got an injury that he's not talking about or COVID or they're just trying to save him for the North London Derby, whatever it is. But Matt Doherty playing out of position on the left side, it's just not going to win you a goddamn game. And it frustrates me. Antonio Conte, clearly smarter than me. There's no question about that. But I have some questions about what he's trying to do. Now, he's made the team tougher. Spurs are tougher to break down. There's a little bit of that attitude of maybe taking some pride in being tough to break down. But I don't think this is an out-and-out -out win for Spurs, despite what's at stake. I think that Arsenal have a little bit of something different now under Arteta. I think the two teams are different than that game when Arsenal won 3-1 back at the Emirates about, uh, what, two months ago? So it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. This is going to be a great game. I, I think they're going to split the points. Well, interesting indeed. Tottenham, by the way, are unbeaten in their last seven home league games against Arsenal. Uh, but Arsenal have won the last two Premier League uh, away matches, netting as many goals in these two victories as they had in their previous nine league games on the road. Obviously, as we mentioned, pinch of salt because Arsenal still have to play that Carabao Cup game against Liverpool. But, you know, home advantage is huge in a North London derby, I feel, especially when it's a packed stadium. So uh, before we get into well, no, let, Jimmy, let me come back to you betting tips and okay. then I want to hear Heath's predictions. Yeah, for me, I mean, I'm going with the draw. I think that's plus 230. I mean, if you want Tottenham to win, they're the slight favorites, plus 150. The draw is plus 230, and Arsenal's plus 185. I got a 1-1 written all over this one. Maybe Harry Kane gets a goal against his former favorite club, apparently, with Arsenal. <laughs> so, so I don't know. It, it's, I don't, I don't, the way that Arsenal's playing and the way that they're creating chances, and, and because those chances can come from a different player it can be there i feel like they're really well balanced when they go on the attack mm. and if you get a version of lacazette who's up for it or if enketia starts uh he may or may not i don't know how it's going to play out with the league cup and who's going to start that game but because they have options and they're so diverse in how they attack even Aubameyang not even being a part of that equation or nikola pepe who are go, both gone for africa cup of nations there's something i like i like arsenal to score here so i'm gonna go straight on the fence everybody i got my saddle I'm going to get all comfortable and I'm sitting straight on the fence. I like one, one in this. I'm not, I'm not sure what the, what, what the lines are on, on, on what I think is going to happen. Obviously, as I mentioned, you tell I me Spurs, and I'll, you I think say Spurs, what it is and I'll tell I you. think Spurs win this. I think both teams to score. I mean, okay. if I were to take Spurs out of the win and say what I would actually bet, I would say both teams to score and, and Emil Smith Rowe to get a goal. Um, so he's, he's obviously top scorer in the team right now. He's been really good. Whether he starts preferably off the bench, he's got a great spark in the team. Again, I, I continue to ride behind him knowing that whether he's a starter or not in the team, he seems to get into good spots and, and delivers on that. So I would that would be what I would say. But I, I do think that Spurs win this one. Okay, before well, you go there, Jimmy, before yeah, go you go, ahead. Emil Smith-Rowe out of the Carabao Cup game. The groin injury hasn't recuperated in time. Uh, well, we don't know as we tape, but uh, that is the report. Mm -hmm. Hopefully he'll be in there as well. So, but he is. Well, yeah, that changes my, you know, obviously well, well, that's going to, if he doesn't play, then obviously he's not going to score guys. So <laughs> I would, as a disclaimer, I would just make sure that he's playing if you're going to follow anything that comes out of my mouth. Exactly. Well, well, Smith wrote a score anytime is two to one. So plus 200 there. Uh, Saka to score plus 250. So two and a half to one for you, Heath. If you think Tottenham are going to win and both teams to score plus 400 for that to go down four to one there. So best of luck, everybody. I'm going straight down the, the middle as I mentioned. Yeah, I think I'm going straight down the middle too. But I do predict a Harry Kane goal. He, he does Ooh. usually uh, wake up in these ones, especially after a game where he hasn't scored. And I'm wondering. Plus, plus 120 there for that. If you want him to score first, plus 350. 
that's good, I think. Listen, mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. take away, I think, the fact that this is Antonio Conte's first North London derby. I think that's a, I think that says something, don't you? I think that's gonna he's gonna go in there and he's gonna ignite that fire. I don't know. I, I do see a draw, but hopefully some goals. It's always an entertaining uh game. All right. Well, let's stay in the Premier League, by the way. As Jimmy mentioned at the top, Manchester City against Chelsea. Ben Chilwell, Reese James, uh, Chaloba, they are all sidelined. So there are defensive issues, but still Tuchel always tries to find a way. However, this is against uh, the formidable side that is Man City at, by the way, Manchester. So what do you have here, Jimmy? See, how do you see this one? Let's, let's just talk about the game itself. Man City have to know, everybody knows, that if they win, they create a 13-point cushion between them and Chelsea. And I believe, as I mentioned at the top of the show, that that could really decide the title race. And actually, if we talk about this, with with Spurs and Arsenal playing against each other, West Ham is taking on Leeds, and you have United taking on Villa, and you have Liverpool might be the biggest winners here because they could really benefit if Chelsea can get some points off of City and maybe get a draw there. I mean, they could really benefit. If all the results go their way, Liverpool could end up being the big winners and they take on Brentford this weekend at yeah. home. So Man so, City hasn't played since January 7th last Friday. So they have a nice little rest. What do you So yeah, you I don't know. Is it one of those things? Did they lose sharpness or do they get more rest so that Ooh. they can actually continue to dominate? It's really really interesting. Now Man City have won 12 in a row domestically and I think if they can get the result here, I think we've talked a lot about Thomas Tuchel being a cup manager. This is a big opportunity for him to to get some points uh I don't think Chelsea have looked very good, right? They've given up a ton of goals and and just aren't as resolute, I'd say, defensively. I don't know if they're... It just feels like in some ways they're papering over some cracks and they haven't actually solved some of, the, some of their problems. And, and Chelsea, if you isolate kind of their, their league form alone, okay? Chelsea have won just one of their last five and they've picked up a possible seven points out of those 15. So that's it's just something to take into consideration. Uh, the, in their first 12 games of the league, they they gave up just four goals, and since they're in their last nine, they've given up 12. So so and, and then now you got Edward Mendy, who's gone with Africa Cup of Nations, got kept in there, and just I think the the jokes write themselves there. But I'll get into my betting yeah. tips. I kind of want to hear what Heath has to say about this game. But I'm leaning towards City really taking advantage of this opportunity, especially because they didn't play midweek, as LME correctly stated. Yeah, I think, uh, Jimmy, you said it well. Uh, the biggest difference, and, and look, Manchester City, by the way, aren't, aren't great defensively as well, as well at the moment. Only one clean sheet in their last four. I think that they're going through their own evolution, but they're continuing to get the results. And if you look at the way that Chelsea have been punished for going through the ebb and flow of a season differently than City are right now is the difference of five wins compared to the five of those wins turning into draws for Chelsea. Chelsea have seven draws. City only have two draws. They only have two losses on the season. And so when you look at it, it's just been a game of moments where Chelsea have really been punished uh, at the worst of times where City have found a way to continue to get results, even if they are giving up a goal in their last few games. When I think about Chelsea, though, I'm in a weird place in terms of who I think the best midfield is to control this midfield mm-hmm. against the City mm-hmm. side. You know, you've got uh, N'Golo Conte coming back from, from COVID. He didn't look great. Uh, earlier in the week. And then when I think about Kovacic, he's one that I've just, maybe it's just the style of play. Maybe it's the type of player that I like, but I just love him on the field with Jorginho. He drives the ball forward. He gives a little bit more of an attacking option that puts that attacking trio, at least into good spots. And so I just think that, you know, Chelsea do have their chances there. But again, if I'm, if I'm Man City, I'm like at, at a minimum, we get a draw out of this. Not that they ever play for a draw, but Chelsea eventually are going to have to open up to try to get points out of this one, knowing that 10 points goes to 11 points or potentially 13, mm-hmm. they need to be able to swing that a different way against against uh, in, their, in their rare opportunity to play against Manchester City, who's above them in the league. Yeah, well, Chelsea won this exact fixture 2-1 last season, they last did. one consecutive away league games against Man City. But, uh, you know, uh, to Jimmy's point, Man City can look at a big extension here. This will be the 50th Premier League meeting between City and Chelsea, having won just three of their... 25 against Chelsea, but have since won 12 of the last 24. All right, Jimmy, betting okay. talk to me. I'm going to start with some trends, okay? And then I'm going to throw it back to you two to get your thoughts on these trends, and then I'll Let's tell you what it. I think, okay? Let's so go. eight of the last 12 matches between City and Chelsea have gone over two and a half goals. I want to throw that out there. Chelsea have kept one clean sheet in their last nine league games, okay? Eight of Man City's 10, last 10 games have gone over two and a half goals. Both teams have scored... In eight of Chelsea's last nine league games, 
And Man City have scored in 15 of their last 16 league games. And I think I'm really teeing up. There's going to be some goals in this one. As you mentioned, 2-1 at the Etihad last season in favor of Chelsea. Plenty of opportunities. That's when Sergio Aguero tried to do that little cheeky chip. He did a little, tried to do the Paneka, and it didn't score, right? Right before <laughs> halftime. Right. Everybody remembers that game because what was Sergio Aguero doing? Anyway, before I say mine, Heath, I want to know, what do you think this game's going to go? And I'll look it up based on what you say. I think Man City still hold on to this one. Chelsea, I think, are a little bit more leaky than Man City. Man City, as I mentioned with the, from the stat in terms of clean sheets, I don't think is is as problematic. I think Chelsea have a lot more to have to go after in this game. And I think the longer that game goes, the more that Man City won play into the possession game, frustrate them and, and create chances against the Chelsea side, who before I would have traditionally thought, oh, Chelsea, no problem in this one. You know, they're gonna keep it, they're gonna keep it tight at the back. They're gonna have no problems. But when you talk about the players again that are missing. Uh, from this team, as well as the fact that Angola Conte is working, he's back in the side. I'm going to say 2-1 uh, for Man City. I do think there's going to be a number of goals out there. I think this is one of those must-watch matches uh, that last year I would have said it'll be a boring match, probably, because one team was going to sit back and try to hold. But this is one that I think there could be goals, and they could try to go punch for punch for 90 minutes. Yeah, it's my exact result, Jimmy. I think okay. it's 2-1. I think okay. What worries me is Ben Chilwell, Reese James, like defensively, yeah, right. they're going to be vulnerable. Maybe it's a time for Jack Grealish to finally show why they spend so much money as well. What do you, what do you say? Well, I, that's a, I'm glad you brought up Grealish because Chelsea paid a shit ton of money for Romelu Lukaku, and you pay money for those guys. Mm. They need to show up in the biggest games. Why else did you buy them? So yep. Lukaku needs to show up. If Grealish gets to play or becomes a super sub, he's got to show up and make a like uh, impact on this game in, a, in an influential way. I'm with both of you guys. I actually like 2-1 as well. And and uh, Man City to win and both teams to score is probably your best value if you're looking at that plus 240. If you want Man City to to win in over two and a half goals, maybe Chelsea just can't figure it out attacking-wise, and this saves you from having both teams to score. That is uh, plus 150. So not as sexy, I'd say. I'd rather... We lean more towards Man City getting the win and both teams to score, given everything that we said and the fact that Man City have only had one clean sheet in their last four. But uh, this is going to be a great game. I think it's going to be wide open. And we should mention also, this is a rematch of the Champions League finals. So there could be a little bit of that that resides in the brains of Man City. And I'm sure Pep is going to probably bring that into his narrative in his pregame talk. God, I totally forgot about that. I feel like yeah. it's been 10 years ago. It was the Champions League final. This is the early kickoff, by the way, on Saturday. And don't forget, Kevin De Bruyne is waking up. I feel like that's going to be a major talking point. We stay in the Premier League, by the way, because now... Oh, but I, listen, <laughs> I, I can't even tell you. Like, well, first of all, let's do an American Idol game <laughs> here for a second. Let, pretend both of you are judges, right? Tell me what you think about this chant, because it's just been born. And a lot of Villa fans love it, and a lot of Villa fans mm. hate it. Okay, are you ready? All right. Wake me up before you go, go. Who needs Grealish when you got Coutinho? What do you think of that? Out of I'm 10. In. Out I'm of in. 10. Jimmy Conrad, out of I, 10. What do you I make? like that. That's a strong eight and a half for me. I like eight and that. a half. He's, nine. Eight I, nine. I, I, I'm going I'm going to go with a nine on that. I really like, <laughs> and it's catchy. It's one Wham. of those ones where you just find yourself, like now every time I hear that song, I'm going to sing <laughs> that version of it. And, and that's when I... <laughs> That's when you know you got a sure hit. I love it. Well, see, Villa fans, you heard it here first. It gets definitely above an eight and a nine. All right. Well, Villa play Manchester United. This is Aston Villa out for FA Cup revenge. You can safely say Aston Villa at this point has won the January transfer window right now. Philippe Coutinho arrives on a loan with an option to buy. And Lucas Dean from Everton wasn't happy with Rafa Benitez, wasn't happy with the Toffees. And I think it's a bargain, 27 million euros for a very, very good uh, fullback as well. And now they face a Manchester United, Ronaldo possibly coming back. McGinn is suspended. Uh, Marvelous Nakama has been injured for a while, by the way. Uh, but Luke Shaw, McTominay also suspended. So that's big as well. So Van de Beek, maybe. Who knows? Jimmy, let's start with you. Villa, Manchester United. What do you see? I don't know what's going on with Manchester United. I'll start there. I mean, they went from a 4-2-2-2-2, which is the Ralph Rangnick special, or as Heath likes to say it, the 4-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2-2. And in the Villa game, in the, in the cup competition, third round FA Cup, they went to a 4-3-1-2. And I found that to be interesting that that actually Rangnick is going to adapt to his players instead of making his players adapt to his system. So there's some compromise that I'm seeing here. We'll see how that plays out in this particular game. I thought Villa pretty hard done by not to get more out of that game. Ali Watkins, you know, hit the crossbar and, and so many close opportunities. I thought Villa had the better run of play. Yeah. After it, conceding, I think Villa really deserves 100%, it. 100%. 100%. And, and despite 
the fact that Villa have lost three straight, it's you're still somewhat encouraged by their performances. And I feel like they're slightly should be slightly favored in this, given all the things I said. But as we mentioned in our preview prior to that game, Man United still found a way to win. They still found a way to win, and they did it without Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, I, mm. I talked to a lot of United fans who said, ah, look at the team looks a little bit better with without Ronaldo. Now, that was the first 20 minutes. After that, I don't know if they felt the same way. Ronaldo should be coming back into the team, and he is obviously an X factor. You always have to account for this guy. He likes to step up in the big moments. I don't know exactly. I, I'm leaning more towards, I hate, I, the draw is what, like, it's just. Listen. Jimmy, I'm telling you this right now. We're not losing. We are, losing we, we are not losing. I'm telling Villa Park is going to be so freaking loud. You're going to hear it at the Bronx. I'm telling you right now. I'm not sure if we'll win. We are not losing this game, Jimmy Conrad. I get it. I get it. And I'm curious if Coutinho is going to start because I think without, he is. without John McGinn and the team, you did that. You, it, you're a little light in midfield and you need. Yeah, I think it's presence. I think it's Douglas Luiz, Jacob Ramsey, Morgan Sanson in the middle, and I think Coutinho starts. Honestly, oh, yeah, I mean, that's I unbelievable. Mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I was just going to jump in and say this is literally a game of perhaps Ranya changing his formation. Obviously, he went to that uh, with Van de Beek. It could be an opportunity for Van de Beek to finally prove himself. Obviously, been dropped from from the Dutch squad. He hasn't found any form at Man United. There's been uh, talks about you know loan moves that were denied. Uh, under Ole Gunnar, about him staying longer. Now he has an opportunity to prove himself. I think uh, that diamond formation could be a change from Ranyuk, who wants to go with that 4-2-2-2 or whatever, the, the airport runway formation um, <laughs> versus, versus, you know, and then same thing for Villa. I mean, where do you where do you put Coutinho? Do you play up top with two? Do you put it's him in a, a diamond in, 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 on the pitch? I mean, there's, there's a there couple of places where you choices. can put him. Yeah, there are two choices. One of them is uh, he could be the top of the triangle in the midfield, but that's only if our left side is strong. So you could put like Watkins, Ings, Wendia, but I think it's going to be, he's going to be part of the tight tree up front. So Coutinho, Watkins, Wendia. That's what I see on the weekend. But, you know, by the way, Cristiano Ronaldo score of four goals in seven Villa Park appearances. So it's not like, uh, you know, Jimmy, uh, you know, we're not forgetting about a certain CR7. No, and I also should mention, even though it feels like the sky is falling with Manchester United, they've only lost once in their last 10 games uh, in all competitions. There's something to be said for that. They haven't lost a Premier League game at Villa Park since 1995. So history needs to come into this a little bit. But they're just not convincing. You watch them play, yeah. and there's just nothing convincing about how they're playing at this particular moment. From a betting perspective, I like the draw. That's plus 230. And Cristiano Ronaldo to score the first or last goal is plus 175. The guy's just clutch. He's either going to set the tone or he's going to score the last goal and be the hero to either get the points to share the spoils or to somehow win it, even though they don't deserve it. The thing with Villa is, and I'll, I'll get out of the way here, they have to take their chances. They didn't take them at Old Trafford in the FA Cup. And if they don't take them in this game, that's what David, De Gea, David, David De Gea stands on his head, which he can and does and has been throughout the season. It just could be one of those games where Villa's scratching their head going, how did we not win that one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the last thing I would say to that is, is when I look at Van de Beek, I look at the same thing for Sancho. Can he actually kind of find his form? I, I wonder how he came from a Dortmund system very similar to the way that Ranić wants to play and hasn't been able to step up for that. Same with Mason Greenwood, who I think is going to find himself a lot of time on the bench if he doesn't find his form as well. Just looks out of sync, completely different than when I saw him earlier in the year. And then again, the last thing is Jimmy mentioned early on, which is those three losses in a row for Villa. This is that transition moment for them, similar to saying, "Hey, we've been playing well." But the results aren't coming. And in fact, we're losing those games that we're playing pretty decent. If you don't turn that into a win, eventually it starts to get into your head as something that can say, well, maybe we're not as good as we think we are, or we're giving up a lot of points on the way. This is becoming a little bit of a, of a systemic issue and we've got to change that. So I think this is against a Man United squad could be not just a chance for a win, but a massive booster in terms of turning those L's into draws and draws into wins and things like that on, on the season, because it's not like they're poor right now. They just need to be able to convert and finish their chances that Jimmy mentioned. Yeah, we're going to move on. But just so you know, like Villa Park is going to be rocking. The, the, there is a massive movement happening. Listen, listen to me. We lost to, <laughs> we lost to Wigan three years ago, okay, in the championship. We were like four points on our way to League One, okay? So the fact that Coutinho is here, that there's going to be a massive uh, atmosphere. I'm just, We're not – wake me up. Before you go, <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. All right, the rest of the Premier League fixtures because our producer Des Norris is like, shut up. Elsewhere in England, oi, by the way, Heath Pierce, Josh Sargent, who missed a uh, 2 nothing loss to West Ham because his wife was given birth, was jeered by Norwich fans 
you've said it, 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 it. You weren't happy about this particular move. By the way, I didn't even. How old is George Sargent? Like, wow, I didn't even know he was married and had a kid. Yeah, I, I mean, you either have two options when you're a footballer. Either you are young and have kids, or you just have a single life until you're done and you figure it out. I chose the latter. Uh, I don't know if it's the right thing to do or not, but there's really only two paths. You know, you see a lot, especially the Latam players that come over at a very young age with families, whether they're teenagers or they're in their early 20s. They've they've already uh, kicked off that that party. But yeah, for Just Sargent, I think this is a hard one because I always believe that fans have a right of paying tickets to have their opinion and voice their opinion. Obviously, Again, and I saw a lot of arguments online about Josh Sargent. It's that it's this idea that well, it's not that he's usually the 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 basis for being jeered is when a player has a bad attitude or they want an exit or they're talking bad about the club or they don't try or all those things. But Josh Sargent is one of those guys who's a machine. Mm. He'll run from the first to the 90th minute. He chases things. Now, when a player like that scores goals, he's usually a fan favorite, right? Because he's got that energy. He cares about the fans. You see him fly into challenges, chase the ball to the corner flag, do all those little details that fans love so much. But you know, when it comes down to performance, obviously, I think there's a right to, to criticize. But when you're jeered um, because of the lack of form on a team that isn't built for the Premier League, first of all, I just think that's a little bit uh, a little bit intense and, and probably a little bit unfair. Having said that, I think it was unfair for him to go to a club like Norwich and think that there was any chance of success or that there was going to be this miraculous thing that he was going to be capable of doing. So mm. a little bit is on, on him and his management team to putting him in this situation that I think was doomed to, to failure from the very start other than perhaps what his bank account looks at looks like compared to what it would have been in Raymond this year. <laughs> yeah, I think there's more to unpack there for the U.S. Men's National Team Hour, everybody. Make sure you check that out on Mondays. But the game I'm looking for in the Premier League is actually my club, Newcastle, taking on Watford because this is a relegation scrap, a proper one. Newcastle sit in the relegation zone on 11 points. Watford have 13. And if things are going to change for the better for Newcastle, they have to win this game because very similar at the top of the table, yeah. if – the team above them gets a little bit more of a cushion. It's going to be harder to catch than they have. They have wood. Jimmy Especially, Carter. yes, they have wood. So hopefully that makes all the difference, okay? And they bought wood from a team that they shared a relegation spot with right now with Burnley. So that's some four-dimensional chess. We talked about it briefly yesterday, but that's a big game. And obviously West Ham falls into the category as well as Liverpool that could really take advantage of some results going their way, especially in that Tottenham Arsenal games, they fight for fourth. So, so yes, there's a lot of games. I mean, almost it's crazy to think in the mid season, we have so many games with so many implications on the relegation zone at the top of the table and the top four. Yep. We've got what, there it is. Uh, if you're watching <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> and yes, of course, uh, a good mention to West Ham who keep doing their thing. Can they do it? Can they reach? the Champions League. Well, it's too early to say, but they're doing well so far. We're going to take a break. When we come back, some AFCON conversation, including that drama that unfolded this week as well. Serie A, Supercopa in España, USMNT, of course, and final thoughts. Que golazo weekend preview, Heath Pierce. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Jimmy Conrad, LME, we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Kigo Lasso Weekend Preview. We leave the Premier League and, wow, it's a big, big, it's a big flight. We go to Africa. We go to Cameroon. Uh, first of all, Des, let's put those fixtures on the screen. 
you know, we're just going to quickly talk about them. Obviously, a very, just a fun tournament, really good, lots of talent. But obviously, as we know from this week, lots of drama. And there's so many, here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to ask you to just anything that you want to talk about as we look about these games, but also how it's all unfolding. So just give me a talk. It can be anything, even from that, you know, uh, referee situation, by the way, as well. But Heath, anything from the African Cup of Nations? I mean, Egypt didn't get their win. There's so many things that we can talk about. Talk to me. Yeah, I mean, the thing that's most interesting to me, and I want Jimmy's take on this because he's he's done it at the highest ha- highest level, is there's a, it's a 24-team tournament. Obviously, two teams go through the third team. Um, and then, like, there's, I think, what is it, six six of the third-place teams. So there's a lot of over – over half the teams go into the knockout rounds of the round of 16. But it was all 1-0 after the first game of the, of the tournament. 1-0 or 0-0 affairs, which is very, very tight in terms of positioning in, 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 a, in a tournament. And I guess the point that I'm trying to get to out, out of Jimmy is – how do you align with a tournament knowing that you've got these games in a group stage? Everybody played very conservatively in their opening game, knowing that you might get your points against some of the easier opponents trying to go through. But it seems a little uncharacteristic knowing that this isn't only the top two teams that go through. There's the top two plus six. Uh, it's a lot of teams going through from, from a tournament this size. And I just wonder uh, what led to these types of results because it's super entertaining. But for yeah. the low scoring um, of this first round, I hope to see more action and teams – starting to take a little bit more risk to secure points for, for the knockout round. Well, that's it's interesting you bring that up, Heath, because you think there would be some more risk. And out of the first 12 games in AFCON, nine of them, nine of the 12 have been 1-0 results to Heath's mm. point. That's mm. crazy. There's only been 12 goals scored in the first 12 games. And when you compare that to the Euros' first 12 games over the summer, they had 28 goals in their first 12. Copa America had 26 in their first 12. Gold Cup had 41 <laughs> in their first 12. So... I thought we would see a little bit more. And because there's so many spots available, Heath and LME and everybody listening, I just thought we would see a little bit more of that risk taking. And when I think about Egypt, and I'm glad you brought them up, I was really disappointed in how they played against Nigeria. Now, Nigeria, the second youngest team in this competition, I thought they were fantastic. Most yeah, of only most of only touched the ball 35 times. That's the least amount he's touched the ball this season in any game in all competitions, Great which isn't stuff. surprising. He's surrounded by maybe a little bit more talent with Liverpool than than uh, Egypt, but I was really, really impressed with Nigeria. They're one of my dark horses, I think, to go on and have a good tournament without Victor Osiman and some of the other players that, unfortunately, Emmanuel Dennis, Igalo, that weren't uh, available uh, for, for their team. And for this and they're excellent. And Ian Nacho scored an unbelievable goal, but just really, really sound in a lot of different ways. And there was one player in particular, I think it was Joe Rebo, who I thought uh, was very, very good. He plays for Rangers, and he... He just was so sound in so many different ways and, and just did all the little thankless work that I think was really important to Nigeria. So keep an eye on the Super Eagles for sure. Yeah, to the point of lack of goals, by the way, worth mentioning when uh, Algeria, who are my pick to win it again, uh, couldn't get anything against Sierra Leone and Mohamed Fabianski Kamara <laughs> was absolutely fantastic. He plays for the East End Lions in Sierra Leone. Uh, watch the highlights on that one. I mentioned in Algeria, by the way, they're two results away from uh, tying Italy's 37-game unbeaten run. They got uh, Equatorial Guinea and Ivory Coast, so they could do it. Um, and they're, hey, they're, Lu- they're such a force. Yes, Heath? Hey, Luis, you know why we're talking about Italy's unbeaten run and potentially Algeria's? Because the team that should have had the longest unbeaten re- record ever was Spain in 2009. You know who took them down? The USMNT, my friend. At the Confederations Cup. That's throw right. it out the window. Records are made to be broken. We opened up. We pa- paved the way for Italy, and now we're paving the way for Algeria. And by the way, Algeria are, are, are a fantastic team. Oh, they're so good. Well done on the USMNT uh, promo there. That was uh, great. But their manager, by the way, he used to play for Southampton. He's kind of like... Uh, like a Roy Keane kind of type. Like he's like, he, he will go through anything. And according to his philosophy, Algeria are all about, we will die for the ball. And that's how good they can be. But we'll see if they, if they win it. Because to Jimmy's point, Nigeria, very, very good. Uh, by the way, that referee in that uh, Mali game uh, in Tunisia, he's been suspended. Uh, shockingly. Shocker, yeah, right. But Jimmy, somebody made some money in that one, I think. Yeah, I think he did. I think that's uh, the number one person who made some money. Ridiculous that you would call a game in the 85th minute with Molly up. And then after realizing, okay, maybe I cut it a little bit shorter than I meant to, 
You call the game at 89.45. You don't even have any extra time. There's no, it, like, I don't understand You it. don't even end it on 90th. He's, like, that's how much kinds of, of a different car. Like, it's just crazy. So many shit housery, dude. It's extreme. It's, it's, it just felt so obvious that this guy's on the take that I'm not surprised that he got suspended. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, well, we're leaving AFCON. We're going to have a weekend recap with both these two fine gentlemen as well. And Tosin McKindy will come in and give us a nice little run through of everything what happened by the way a nigerian and uh so he he's excited uh to the way that only tozen can be let's go to serie a by the way you can watch exclusively on paramount plus atalanta against inter milan fourth against first unbelievable heath what do you see here because it's obviously it's a sexy matchup can inter keep going and maintain that top spot I mean, Inter have some momentum right now. Obviously, uh, the Supercopa with 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 Juventus uh, coming from behind. And again, I know Jimmy's a huge fan of of Sanchez, who's who's seemingly uh, <laughs> the 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 villain of the or or infamous for so many ways, but is now showing up again in the in these uh, in these big matches. But Inter Milan just seem to be so strong in this one. But I don't want to write off um atalanta as well obviously atalanta have a have a bit of a start stop uh last couple of weeks going into their short little break obviously taking that beating to 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 roma before before the end of the year and then coming back to just batter udinese obviously this is not the udinese when you say that word you think about the old udineses of the world and 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 playing in europe but atalanta you just don't know other than the fact that they're going to score goals and they're going to try to score more goals than the other team and so in this one i think inter milan clearly are, are the favorites in this but it's just hard for me to, to, to think about this Atalanta side and not think that they're going to stay in it for, for, for long periods of the game. It's just a matter uh, – it's just a, uh, whether or not they can get to the point of the game where they're up and can just be content with that or if they're going to stay exposed through the 90 minutes, which gives uh, Inter Milan chances to, to either come back or, or, or slip one back off of, off, of a, off a mistake or a counterattack or a number of other situations. Yeah, I'd jump in and just say that these two teams played to a 2-2 draw back in September – uh, Inter went up first, and then Atalanta, to his point, like they're just always around. They always a threat to score at any point during the game, whether it's like with nice build-up play or hitting you on the counter through Duvan Zapata or Luis Muriel pulling out some magic from their butts. Those guys are amazing. Only I love watching them play. Eight points behind Inter, Jimmy. And, and I, I know, but what's interesting is that Inter is the third best team in all of Serie A away from home. The best team away from home is Atalanta. They haven't lost in 11 games away from home this season. But at home, they're the 12th best team. Their record is the 12th best in all of Serie A. Three wins, three draws, three losses, including they just lost their last home game in the league, 4-1 to Roma. That game, now Roma was perfect. I think they had like four shots on goal and scored all four of them. But but if they have to tighten that thing, that, that side of it up. And as I mentioned in their game before, where they went up 2-1, Ed and Dzeko scored late to make it 2-2. Yeah. I still feel like Inter's got a little bit more to what Heath was saying. They have a little bit more of that momentum. Wow, Atalanta. I don't know. Just that home record makes me a little bit iffy. Three wins out of their nine games just isn't good enough if they actually want to compete to win a Scudetto. I think they're going to get top four, and they'll probably have a nice, exciting run in the Champions League before bombing out of it. But but that, that home record needs to get tightened up. Inter and I had to fight hard, though, in the Supercopa. Some tired legs, maybe? That's true. That's, true. that's possible. I mean, there are some elements of you could bring in some of that narrative to help get it. I mean, if this was a draw... I wouldn't be surprised. I might, I'm having another weekend preview where I'm picking you, draws all the time. You're staying on the fence. That saddle's I, I, getting I, more comfortable. You know what? You know what? I brought some lube, everybody. And the, <laughs> the, the fence well, is, is very comfortable at the moment. Well, <laughs> that, did I just cross the line? I think I did, but everybody knows it's just a joke. Let's well, Jimmy, out. I was just going to say Newcastle have lube too, so it's fine. All right. Okay. Well, what do you have? So you have a draw there. Heath, are you staying with a draw? <laughs> God, I mean, Jimmy made some really strong points. You know, I, I try to come in with the perspective, but Jimmy talks me out of it, especially when he sits <laughs> on the fence because I, I, I don't, I didn't see it swinging another way. But when he pulls me back on to just being a little more neutral, uh, but I want to go with a, I want to go with a win on this one. I think about Inter Milan. I think about the fact that this is the time of year that they were phenomenal last year, and it's when they start to run through teams and start to build their own gap at the top of the table. And so this is one where they probably see this as a must win. Uh, to be able to one distance themselves from 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 Atalanta, but as well as the other teams in the league, and really start to make a statement in terms of you know they've now beat Juventus. This could be another win for them, and now you go on to this momentum where you're feeling that uh, you can beat anybody on any given day. So I'm going to go with the win for Inter Milan. Score wise, uh, yeah, again two one probably seems the safest because I do think both teams will score in this one, um, and it could be left late, similar to 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 Sanchez's goal. But I'm going to say two one. 
Well, you know what? Shout out to Simone and Zaghi because I didn't really expect Inter Milan to be leading the table uh, at this point. But, you know, uh, what other fixtures are there, Desmores, by the way? As we tape this, AC Milan have to play a cup game in the round of 16, Coppa Italia against Genoa. So they're, uh, they're second. They're obviously hoping to, uh, you know, well, at the very least, uh, get some favors from everywhere else. But Serie A is looking, anything anything that comes I'll, out to I'll mind? Jump you in, in? I'll jump in and say Juventus versus Udinese yep. is an interesting game for me just because I want to see how they respond to losing to to enter so heartbreakingly in that in that final in the very last minute right before penalties and then also without Chiesa you know how is Maxi Allegri going to continue to shape that team to have success does the ball start this one they're they're obviously still trying to punch into the top four and, and really settle in there the three points behind Atalanta so Inter could do them a lot of favors if they can get a result and then and then Juve uh are in fifth right now and so what are they going to do without Chiesa is really a big question mark, especially domestically here in the league. And I know they have other questions to, to answer in other competitions, but but for this one, it's really important for them to get in the top four. And this could be tough. This could be tough. So I'm curious to see how they respond and how they play against a new NSA team that at times can be very competitive, even though they just lost six to two to Atalanta not too long ago. Yeah, the only thing that I, I, I'm watching again is, is sort of the Venezia versus Empoli, two teams that were promoted uh, into, into Serie A. Empoli obviously being the standard of which you, you, you get in the league and you, you stay in the league um, and actually perform or overperform expectations. Venezia, who look like they get safe and then only to go on a poor run of form, typical of usually uh, teams that get promoted, but especially in Serie A, very rarely do teams come up and stay up just because of just the structures of things. And a lot of teams that go down tend to get very, very close to insolvency in terms of bankruptcy. And there's just a very unstable uh, business structure for a lot of the, the, the Serie A clubs or Serie B clubs when they go up and down. And so this is one where sort of an example of how you do it versus a team that's trying to figure out what's our future look like. Uh, so that's one that I'm tuning into as well. All right. Well, let's go from Italy to Spain. Supercoppa uh, final. Uh, by the way, obviously, there's still a semifinal to be played. Atleti against uh, Athletic Bilbao. So, you know, we don't have the full thing, but, you know, Elche against Villarreal is the only game in the league. Anything from Spain, by the way, Heath Pierce, that you think is worthy mentioning? I mean, you know, it's still getting a little tight. And you now Tecatito Corona is arriving to Spain as well. That should be an interesting thing. Yeah, only that I would love to see a Madrid derby uh, in that in that final. I mean, that's really my my only take because I, I I think that that's a pivotal moment again for both these teams in terms of securing silverware to start the season for momentum for Real Madrid, but also for Athletic for Atletico Madrid to to be able to potentially bounce back and respond to what I think is probably their poorest season in some time now, trying to figure out who they are trying to still understand the evolution of where they've been. Are they at that burnout phase, but having a chance to now take on the team that's clearly at the top of the table uh, in a game of consequence, I think that would be great. On the other hand, they've still got to get there by by beating Bill Bilbao. Uh, but that's the thing that I'm most looking forward to and would love to see in terms of a matchup. Yeah, I'll jump in and just say that I think Villarreal is going to do the business against Elche. Villarreal has been in fine form. A little hard done by giving up a late goal to Condagbia and their 2-2 results against Atleti recently. With regard to the Spanish Super Cup, Athletic Club de Bilbao won it last season when Marcelino took over. That was really controversial. He came in, they fired the manager, he comes in, he wins it. He beats Real Madrid in the semifinals 2-1 before beating Barcelona and added extra time in the final. That was also played in Saudi Arabia. So I feel like Athletic have a great chance of getting past Atleti, who aren't in the best of form, as we just mentioned. And then they have history of beating Real Madrid and Saudi Arabia before. So I can't sleep on Marcelino and Athletic today. And I think they have a good chance of playing Real Madrid in the final. And then from there, who knows? They're also another team that's maybe underperforming. They have a lot of talents. You see some of the names. They should be or at least higher up the table than they are. And so I'm kind of curious to see which team can use this competition outside of their country to kind of springboard the rest of their season. Because it's, it's a big opportunity to gain some momentum. Our producer, Des Norris, just with the stats, uh, Stat King, the Supercopa last year was in Spain. Okay, uh, fine. Uh, Thanks, can Chris. I just point out, by the way, that there's just too many competitions. And it is very confusing, the names of them, from cups to Super Cups to leagues to sponsors and all those things. So bear with us as we continue to fail uh, through this uh, uh, statistically. No, 100%. Yesterday, recapping everything with Jimmy, I nearly exploded. There was just too many things going on midweek as well. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, the listen. Competition, the competition was supposed to be in Saudi Arabia last year. I apologize, everybody. Oh, but COVID. COVID. Thanks, COVID. 
<laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, COVID. COVID. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, we're nearly done here with the show, but uh, a USMNT watch, obviously. Keith Beers, Jimmy Conrad, USMNT Hour every Monday. But let's talk about some USMNT watch, by the way. There's a lot going on, including possibly Daryl DK, Conrad de la Fuente. Where do you want to go, Jimmy Conrad? USMNT watch. Yeah, I mean, Marseille hosting Lille, I think, is a very good game. Uh, and, and not only from American versus American, Jonathan David, a Canadian, is also playing for Lille and, and, and doing very well. The season leading Liga and goals. We'll see how much longer he's going to be with the club. I suspect he'll be gone in the summer. But Lille have actually been in really, really good form. They just lost in the Coup de France midweek. They were up 2-0 versus Lens, and they ended up uh, giving up two goals and one of them very late, and that went into penalties, and Lens won. Again, you get knocked out of a cup competition. Might as well make it sooner rather than later, so you don't waste any other energy towards that. And looking at Newcastle and Arsenal, you can use the same argument. But I would say that that... That's disappointing. I think it highlights a little bit of Lille lacking that focus and concentration that they need to close out games. Marseille, on the other hand, still in punching, the, you know, not necessarily above their weight under Sampaioli, but but uh, being very, very good. I don't know if Team Awea is going to play in this one. Greg Berhalter, U.S. Men's National Team Manager, came out and said that he might not even be called in for this next window, qualifying window, which makes me question what, where he at, is at with Lille. So even if he's on the bench, I'd be curious if he comes off of it. Conrad de la Fuente did come off the bench for Marseille in their last one, played the last 15 minutes and a big 1-0 win away from home against Bordeaux. And I thought he was good. I thought he was bright. I thought he was pushing the game and trying to make it happen. And obviously holding on to a 1-0 lead is very important. So I like that Sampaioli is trusting him. I don't think he's going to start, but I'm hopeful that he'll come off the bench yet again and maybe get more than 15 minutes this time around. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would follow up is obviously we've, we've this weekend we've got to Ricardo Pepe potentially making his first start, which I think would be a huge thing, not just for him personally, but for the team that needs him and spent a lot of money on him. The quicker we, you can integrate anybody into a squad uh, that you're expecting to contribute to the results, I think, is, is, is better for, for everyone and give him a real sample size. We, we, we talk about it a lot with the national team in terms of the time needed to be able to contribute. You go back to, again, his heroics against Honduras. A lot of people were in the first half saying, well, what's this guy doing? He can't do anything. Give him some real time to, to, to contribute, and I think we'll see the results of that. And then Daryl DK as well, who we all argue constantly for. Um, be good to see him get those running games. Obviously, when he was at Barnsley, it took him a few games to get going, but once he did, he gets into that form and that style of play. Maybe it doesn't fit uh, the national team style of play of what they expect from him, but in terms of the championship and then scrapping out results, and uh, similar to a show that uh, Jimmy used to have, called the mixer it's all about throwing it in the mixer for daryl dk you put it in the mixer chaos happens the ball bounces close to him he bodies up people like Shaq uh, in the key and then scores goals and would love to see him get back to that by the way no, all respect uh well a little respect there are rivals to villa uh, to west brown but i'm wondering after chris wood leaving burnley if uh, daryl dk would have been a target for burnley you know to replace and that would have been Interesting, but I think West Brom proves to be possibly a better situation as they're hopefully in the playoffs and on the way up. And Augsburg, by the way, Ricardo Pepe's Augsburg, they're in a playoff relegation spot right now. So they, they're trying to get out of that one. And can, make I, sure they're maintained. Yeah. can I also just say that I would have been happier to see Josh Sargent go to Norwich who are fighting for promotion in the championship than him to go to Norwich. Agreed. Oh, of course, hundred you know, percent where he's in a Daryl DK position where he's playing, he's going to play all the games. They're going to be the giants amongst teams. And there are some of those teams that have the parachute payments. They struggle to stay up for that, but by and large, their goal is to get back up first year one. If you're in year two, that's something different, but year one to go right back up again. I would have loved to see him in that situation. Cause he's going to get a lot more chances plays into his style of play and all those types of things. But bringing a championship style of play to the premier league. Oh, Kills me. Kills me inside. What, what hurts me a little bit about... I know this, I know this is about to be tomorrow, but I, I'm sorry, Jimmy. I, I, we can't help it, Luis. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying that, you. That, that, you know, Augsburg, when they went up against Hoffenheim, I was a little bit bummed because Hoffenheim has an American center back in Chris Richards that knows how Ricardo Pepe plays. I'm like, great. And Chris Richards started. He hadn't started the previous couple games. And he gets the start probably thinking this guy knows Pepe when he comes in. Not that he completely neutralized him, but it was like, man, he couldn't play against somebody that doesn't really know him. And this time he is. He's going to play against Eintracht Frankfurt, who were up 2-0 last weekend against Borussia Dortmund and gave up the lead because that's what Dortmund does this season. They can't play anything straight. But but they came back and won this one. I think Eintracht's going to be pissed. And now you've got a really super motivated, pissed Eintracht that wants to get a result against a team that's fighting for relegation. And I just like, man, I don't know. I guess every storyline is going to be very similar for Ricardo Pepe when you're in a relegation team, just like we're talking about with Josh Sargent. But uh, that's going to be tough. And then QPR is playing West Brom. Or excuse me, yeah, QPR West Brom. 
West Bomber fourth currently, and and uh, QPR fifth. So that's a big, big game. And I don't know if DK huge game in the championship. Yeah, yeah I don't know if DK is going to start. And West Brom were up one zero on Brighton in the FA Cup, and they ended up giving they got a red card, and then they gave up a late goal, and they lose lost in extra time. And it was a bit of a shame because I thought West Brom came out and played, and that was without DK and the team or not. DK playing has at not all. been on the bench yet, so, so I don't. I, don't, I yeah. hope we see him, but that's I a presume... big, big game to throw him into. I presume that it'll be on the bench, uh, hopefully some minutes. It's a one-point differential between yep, yep. West Brom and QPR, so it's a massive, massive game. And that's it. That is our weekend preview. Final thoughts before we say, in the words of Lucas Dean, adieu. Jimmy Conrad, <laughs> what say you? Yeah, I'm just going to give a shout-out to Liga MA Keys. The Clausura season has started. They're one game in, and... This league is, uh, it's a lot of fun. Not only do they have cool uniforms and a lot of wacky stuff going on, but uh, yeah, I want to see uh, who, who's going to step up and perform this time around. Obviously, some some historic results with Cruz Azul winning uh, the Clausura last time around the first time. They were like the Spurs of Mexico, so we'll see if they can do it again, but uh, should be an exciting competition once again in Mexico. HP? Yeah, yeah I mean... Not really anything. I mean, we covered quite a bit. Uh, I am, I'm kind of out of uh, final thoughts. So I'm just, <laughs> I, I, I just want to say I, I like you both. You guys are both good people. Uh, HP, I mean, listen. I don't believe know, him, but go ahead. Keep going. No, I, you know, he, he, he's all the way over there. And uh, well, my, but the problem is, is Des, it, put, uh, Des, Des put, you know, Americans abroad into the show. And my final <laughs> thought now can't be about that because then Luis is going to smash his computer. And so I'm like, you know, I'm just saying, I got no final thoughts. Thoughts. You know, my no. final thoughts were woven into the, the <laughs> into my propaganda narrative. They're sprinkled all over, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but this is the last weekend for players to impress Greg Berhalter, of course, uh, before this election. And my only final thought is Peru plays Panama on Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern. So it should be a nice little friendly. And then on Thursday next week is against Jamaica. Peru, Jamaica. How cool was that, huh? Um, some CONCACAF opponents uh, for Blanqui Roja. But that's it. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, my man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you and everybody listening and sometimes Heath. <laughs> sometimes Heath. What? <laughs> well, Heath Gears, thank you so much, my man. I hope J the back of Jimmy's shirt says Jimmy Conrad with a K. <laughs> that's what I wish it said. Anyways, thank you, guys. <laughs> that's a good point, actually. Well, thank you, everybody. I hope you have a fantastic <laughs> weekend. Enjoy all the games. Us three will be back for the weekend recap and so much more to come. Enjoy the weekend. Have a good one. And we will see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.